This is the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry Peralta and Josh Coleman. What better way to kind of close out the semester than to kind of have a special episode? This is the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry and Josh here in Grand Junction in the KMSA 91.3 FM studios. I am Jerry Peralta, and at the moment, Josh is incapacitated. He uh, he has a cold or something. Yeah, he's incapacitated. But you know what? We brought in a very special guest. Uh, longtime Wired Up followers will know him as Matt Kennedy. Matt Kennedy joining us here in for a Wired Up episode. Matt, how are you doing? If I if I had a Michael uh, uh, if I had a Michael Scott quote or like a little clip, I'd be like, "How the turntables?" <laughs> oh well, well, well. How the turntables? <laughs> I did this for four years when uh, yeah, when the rules are switched. But um, I'm very thankful to be here. Very, very thankful to, to 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 be back on back in the old studio. So thank you, Jer, for for the invite. Yeah, and I mean it's kind of interesting that a couple of weeks 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 ago, Josh had Matt Entrican come on the show. Yeah, because I was incapacitated. So now you know how the how the turntables. You know how how things have changed. Matt, as for as many of you who don't know who he is, he is what he is the original. One of the original creators of Wired Up. It was. It doesn't a, go back very far, Jerry. It goes back to you and me. Yeah, it was just me and you. It was me, you and me. Yeah, but and then we had and me. I, I've been doing a kind of like a marketing uh, paper, and I had I was thinking back to when we first started. We weren't even Wired Up. We were name pending. Name pe- oh my god! Because we could pending. never come up with the name, and we just. I don't even know what uh, the you, circumstances. You you were definitely you were definitely no actually I can't remember it was one of us because we were both young and eighteen and stupid back then. We we're like oh name pending that's well it, that's creative that's creative. It wasn't even creative. It was just we were too lazy to come up with an actual name, so we just kind of went with it. Were we too scared to pick like an actual name and then just run with it? Well, I because we couldn't decide because we kind of when we first started we talked about anything and everything we could. Yeah. And then as we kind of got better, we started focusing on some stuff. So a lot of the names we were throwing out just didn't work. And I think just on circumstance, somebody said Wired Up. And we're like, hey, that's a good name. So we're going to go with that. And that's how Wired Up was born. And it stuck. Yeah, and it stuck. But you know what? Let's get into the swing of things because we have a lot to talk about. Kicking things off in the NFL, mainly focusing on the AFC East in the beginning, we had evil mastermind Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And Matt, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you refer to Bill Belichick, you have to refer to him as evil mastermind. Evil Bill, ma- okay. Because that's how we've been referring to him all season. At the beginning of this season, we saw this pairing split off, and we saw the start of two new faces for two different franchises. Tom Brady it, going to Tampa Bay. Cam Newton being signed on to the New England Patriots and looking at the Patriots initially when they when their season started they looked pretty good within the first 3 weeks they were 2 and 1 one of and it was speculated that they were not only going to make the playoffs but they could have a uh, good run and we we see Cam Cam was doing everything he could for the team and they looked really good yep. but week 4 it's when it started to go downhill. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 26 to 10, and that kicked off a four-game losing streak, which saw them lose to the Broncos, 49ers, and the Buffalo Bills all in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Seeing everything I have seen, mind you, this is probably this is one of the worst franchise worst franchise starts under evil mastermind Bill Belichick. Um, but seeing everything I've seen now. I can't help but look at this in question. You know, who is really to blame for all this? Is it the coaching? Is it, you know, maybe Cam Newton's not playing? Uh, is it the offense not being able to put up touchdowns? I mean, what could the problems be? Well, to kind of start things off here, it's not it's not good or it doesn't help when you have a lot of players in consistent weeks who are either questionable or injured. We're seeing the we're seeing the situation in San Francisco and Denver, obviously, 
both teams just struggling with injuries and they haven't looked as good as they should. Uh, some key names for the Patriots right now for who are questionable th- for this week are Damian Harris, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Jones, and, T- and Terrence Bo- Brooks. These are some key guys who help this team be successful. So if they are injured or questionable or not even 100%, it, it hurts coming into this. It's... Can I, can I, can, yeah, uh, no, go, going back to the whole Eber mastermind thing? Sorry, image that popped up, um, especially with Bill Belichick, just because because that's it's all I see when you ever look up news on on he's he's the face, right? He's yeah, it, it starts and ends with him. And when you talk about the the Sith, uh, from 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 Star Wars, I just need a clip of Bill Belichick with his hoodie on, just saying, I am this then. I just need something, <laughs> I am the Patriots, <laughs> I just need something with him. But ultimately, it's it starts with Bill. He was one of the two pillars for 20 years that is what the Patriots stood on. And you, when you take out one of them and Tom Brady and you replace it with, a, I don't know how to describe Cam Newton in this sense. It's like taking a pillar and then putting in like a, like a step stool, you know? Uh, <laughs> you, you take out the pillar, you put a step ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put like, a, like one of those like three-foot step ladders in uh, yeah. for Cam. And because you don't, because he kind of dealt with the injury. He, Cam did great. For yep. the first month, and then he had COVID, and then after that, man, he's just been, he has not been the same he's since just been COVID. A roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting you bring up that it all starts with Bill Belichick, or you know, it does start with him. And I'm kind of I'm gonna get into that here in a second. I mean, defensively, the Patriots have been okay, but the problem is, is this team is, is kind of facing the same situation like the Seahawks. They're giving up a lot of passing yards. They've given up over 1,700 passing yards in these in this entire season. They've allowed 12 passing touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, the cause for concern, it, it is a cause for concern in a way, but this defense is still ranked 12th, so you can't necessarily blame them. It also goes down to your offense, too. Let's take this back a few weeks. Yeah. In the game against, it, it, some could say a gimme game. I, I, I'm not going to say that. Um, but the Broncos, the defense managed to stop the Broncos on all fronts, only allowing field goals the entire game. And it wasn't until late in the fourth Brandon quarter. McManus, he did. He, he scored like twenty five points on my fantasy team that week. I know. I'm really <laughs> sad. <laughs> I really week. sad. I didn't have him. <laughs> but they only allowed field goals. And your offense, you did, They didn't start coming back until late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And majority of the time, they got stuffed by a hurt Broncos defense. This is a injured Broncos defense. You're missing guys like Von Miller. Uh, or Von Miller's really the only guy I can really name off of. Any other key injuries? They're missing their entire defensive line. Uh, okay, so so they don't have a pass rush, but they got to Cam Newton like 95% of the plays. So where's the problem there? And um, Stephen A. Smith, we like to use him a lot in our shows. Um, three days ago, the question was asked to him, should Cam Newton regret signing with the Patriots? And, um, he, you know, Stephen A. Smith kind of just goes on to say that the talent's not there, which I could see. But uh, let's, let's take a listen to this. But it's, it's, it's not because of Bill Belichick, and it's not because of the Patriots' tradition or su- succeeding Tom Brady. It's because of the Patriots being bereft of the talent necessary in order for him to be but so effective. He missed some throws last night, even though he had a really good game. Uh, he missed about three throws that would have made his game exceptional. Uh, there's no denying that. But the flip side to it is that, you know, just the, the limited weapons that he has available to him. When you're coming off an injury, when you've got people questioning whether or not you'll ever be what you once were and you're succeeding Tom Brady and then on top of it all you choose a roster to go to that really really is challenged when it comes to its receiving core I think that puts him at a decided disadvantage now obviously uh you know what well, he's got to play better and he did last night compared to what he looked like the three so he just keeps going on about you know obviously the Patriots need to play better but I kind of have to disagree with him in this sense you know Remember back in the initial month, the first month that the Patriots were looking really good pre-Cam Newton COVID. Yeah. Everybody was saying MVP Cam is back. He is back. Blah, blah, blah. Where are those people now that were crying that, now that he doesn't look as good, and we're starting to see what's really wrong with the team? And, Matt, I, I have to agree with you. 
this I, I'm not gonna harp on Cam David because Good as point. much as as much as an easy target he is to the <laughs> offense, it's not his fault. This is without a doubt the coaching staff's fault because this offense was not designed for Cam Newton. This offense is coming off of a of a twenty two year stint or twenty year stint with uh, Tom Brady, where they've won six Super Bowls. Cam Newton, he is he has not been doing great. He only has two passing touchdowns, but he has eight rushing. Um, but Cam is not as act his style of play does not allow him to play in this offensive setup that the Patriots have. He is not really an accurate pa- pocket passer like Tom Brady was. Um, you know, uh, trying, trying to figure out where I'm at, at my nose. He's not as accurate as Tom Brady was. I mean, Cam Newton's ability to throw the ball is kind of second to his ability to use his legs and get these first downs. He is he is kind of a Lamar Jackson. He is pre-Lamar Jackson when he was doing really well with the Panthers. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out why in today's day and age of the NFL do we somehow come up with the conclusion that it's a plug-and-chug uh, sort of sort of mentality for a lot of these offenses. Like, for some reason, you can just take out an entire man that, that ran the system for 20 years, replace him with a dude who has no idea what this kind of offense is. I mean, not. I mean, obviously, Cam is a smart guy. He can learn an offense. And then just expect him to... I don't know what the expectations were for the pitchers coming in, but... But after those three weeks, you just assume that he's going to continue to elevate his game after that? I mean, I, I feel like Cam in those first three weeks, he's playing on skill and skill alone. I mean, you look at his numbers, sixty-one or 68.1% of his passes for 714 yards. This was all before he got COVID. Two touchdowns and two interceptions, along with 149 yards rushing and four scores in the first three games. He scored twice as many uh, touchdowns on the ground than he did through the year. And so Cam was relying on his legs when yep. it comes to scoring. And then you look at the the first two games after being activated from COVID, including the Broncos and the and the the 49ers. The 49ers. Oh my gosh, teams who are so injury plagued that they should they they're basically playing their JV squads at this point. His stats for after that of uh, 65% of his passes, 215 yards, no touchdowns and five interceptions. Only ran for 90 yards and one touchdown. And he's kind of Picked it back up a little bit after that. He hasn't thrown an interception, but he also thrown has he hasn't also hasn't thrown a touchdown. Yep. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, he's run for three. So this you can't you can't plug in chug like it's kind of like the same with Tom Brady. Tom's gonna do great. He's he's obviously has a better record right now. Yeah. But did we we're gonna talk about it later? His performance against the New Orleans Saints did not look like a Tom Brady esque offense. And so like you're trying to somehow put a guy in into a system that he hasn't been in in so long. And just somehow expect it to work within the first year. When, when in the NFL, it takes two to three years to develop a solidified, uh, consistent offense. Yeah, and you know, and the whole plan that we've been seeing is, is we're going to stick with what we know. We're going to keep Cam in the pocket. We're going to make him pass. Cam is not comfortable in the pocket, and we're seeing that a lot because he is taking a lot of hits. His offensive line's not really helping him. And going back to Stephen A. Smith's point, he doesn't have the receiving core. To, that would help him. Yeah. This is kind of a situation where, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo went to San Francisco, but there was no receiving core for him to really work off of, it was that it, you, it would be at that point that we would probably see all the flaws in his game, which is what we're seeing right now. There's a lot of flaws with Cam Newton's game, but that's just mainly because at the moment, he doesn't have a receiving core that can help him. His offensive line has not been doing great. And the stat, this offensive, the Josh McDaniels and Bill Bel- evil mastermind Bill Belichick, excuse me, almost have to come up with a different game plan for how they are going to get uh, work this offense around Cam Newton because if they keep going the way they're going, they're not going to have a great year and they're probably, if it wasn't for the Jets being as bad as they were, as they are, yeah, the Patriots could easily be fourth in the AFC East. Sure. When you, I, I don't know, because you talk about, I think I saw uh, Bill Belichick interview to where he was getting criticized for his lack of uh, um, quality draft picks. You know, I think the big the biggest quality one was Nikhil Harry uh, from Arizona State, and he's been injured pretty much the whole entire season. And Bill said, well, I'm not going to apologize for a record over the last 20 years, which was a, a great Bill Belichick quote. I mean, that's fair. I mean, he, he has one of the best records 
as of a head coach. Yeah, exactly. But but speaking from experience uh, as a, as a Denver Broncos fan, <laughs> for for four years they really lived in the glory of of twenty fifteen, thinking that they're much better than they actually were. And so removing Tom Brady, that started a new era in New England that I think maybe Bill is unwilling to to recognize. I mean, of course, he, I mean he obviously Bill's gonna have a better perspective of his own team than I am, but. The Patriots are not the same team. No. They need they need to revamp. They need to find a brand new identity. Even though Bill Belichick's still going to be the head coach, their identity in Tom Brady's gone. This is a whole new team. So they're trying to stick with the winning formula that they tried to use using like these random six-round draft picks that they somehow turned into stars. That's not going to work with, with Cam Newton, a quarterback. No, definitely not. And I mean, this is kind of interesting situation where we're kind of... It, Tom Brady, obviously... In that duo, he wasn't. He was really important because obviously he was that star quarterback for the Patriots. And now that he's gone, the Patriots are trying to kind of go go like what you said, Matt. They're trying to kind of relive in the days of Tom Brady with a guy like Cam Newton, and unfortunately, it's just not going to work for them in the end. Can I ask you a question, Jer? Yeah, uh, I was gonna because I was thinking about this. If let's completely un, unrelated, so what the situation is, and it definitely would not have happened, but. Uh, let's say that that we go back a year, and instead of a Cam Newton, they replace they replace Tom Brady with a guy like a Matt Ryan, or even like a Philip Rivers. And not to say that you replace one old white quarterback with another old white quarterback, but you replace him with a guy who's probably run a similar offense either with either, with either both those guys. Do you think they would have had more success than they are with Cam right now? It's possible, and here's my reason why is is exactly. To what you said they are more they understand the kind of offense that new england's running better than what cam is running and in fact their pl- their style of play fits this new england offense better than cam newton i i don't know if they if those guys would have made a difference in the level of talent of this receiving core but i i honestly could look at it and say they would probably they could probably be a four and four, five and five and three team at the moment. They wouldn't it, have lost to the the 49ers. They wouldn't probably, have lost to the 40 lost to the Broncos either. They, they yeah, they, they wouldn't have lost those two games. Um and mind you, the 49ers game, they were smoked. They lost 33 to 6. Yeah. Just kind of let that one sit in. I mean, it, it it's a matter of perspective, I guess, at the moment. I don't know how well they how much better off they would be. But at the moment, it's just this Patriots team is rough, and they are. And this is, I'm gonna call it now. They are gonna be in the phases of a rebuild. But I, I'm gonna say this: despite the struggles, I think Cam will stay, stay on. And if the Patriots are smart, and we all know, evil mastermind Bill Belichick is a relatively smart guy, he's gonna get at least. A weapon, if not two weapons, for Camp Newton this offseason. If Camp sticks around. If he sticks, I think he will. Because at this point, it, it, at this point, there's no I can't imagine a t I can't imagine a scenario where Cam Newton leaves and he gets picked up by another team. Yeah, Jared Stidham didn't really impress that well when Cam was out. No. So at so I'm pretty sure Cam will stay. It's just a matter of what's gonna happen in the offseason. When we come back. Gonna talk some Tom Brady. We there's a couple questions that we're gonna try and answer. Jerry Peralta, Matt Kennedy, wired up. Back here in the KMSA studios here. At Colorado Mason University in Grand Junction, Jerry Peralta and Matt Kennedy on Wired Up, very special Wired Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not every day we get Matt on the show, um, but moving along here, switching to the NFC, let's talk about the goat, one half of a of the duo that controlled the NFL for better for the better half of a decade, uh, Tom Brady. This past weekend, we saw Tom Brady and the Buccaneers lose. A second time to Drew Brees and the Saints in what was 
probably one of the worst games by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this entire season. It was just a complete blowout. Now, I'm not going to lie. I thought the Buccaneers would at least split the series. I thought they would win this game. Well, yeah. But I, yeah, I was not expecting a, what was it, 33 to 10 blowout or something? How many yards? 38 total, to 3. Yeah. How many yards of total offense did the Bucks put up, if you have that? Uh, 217 total yards. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's some weak sauce. It was, it was rough. Uh, actually, correction, counting in the uh, loss of yards, it right. was 194 yards. Oh, my gosh. Less than 200 yards total offense. So, this Saints defense showed, once again, showed no mercy to Tom Brady and this offense. Brady in this game threw four, uh, 209 yards, and three interceptions. The Saints' defense held the Bucks to a whopping eight, count them, eight yards rushing this entire game. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. What, the, what the hell happened to Tampa Bay in this game? Mind you, they were coming in off of a three-game winning streak at this point. Um, of, at this point. They had beaten the Packers, a really good team in the NFC. They had beaten the Raiders, a really good team in the AFC West, and they had beaten the Giants, not a good team at all. But that one was a narrow margin. They should not have lo- they should not have won that one as close as they did. And they've looked good all season. They lost to the Saints in the in the opener. But after that, they they went on a win streak. Then they lose to the Bears. And once again, the Saints said no and shut down. And mind you, as good as the Saints have been, their pl- their level of play has been very floppy and concerning yeah. to me. Like it has not been great. Um, but going into the playoffs, I, I I'm pretty sure I, I'm going to say it. Both of these teams will make the playoffs, the Bucks and the Saints. And I got to say, and if I mean if the Bucks and the Saints were to play in the playoffs, who would win? Would Tom Brady finally get a win over Drew Brees and the Saints? Or do the Saints take three in a row and 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 take and still hold on to their dominance in the NFC South? Um first reaction when you ask that question, uh pre uh, pre-show, I just put no, absolutely not. Um just assuming the Bucks would not find ways to adjust because that performance was just so awful. I, it was so bad. I, I would mean, be I mean, terrified. I mean, I mean, you, you, you look at Tom Brady flushing out of the pocket to the right side of the field, the right hash, throwing 30 yards downfield and across to the left hash into triple coverage. It gets picked. You're like, was that Tom Brady or was that? Or was that, <laughs> or, or was that just a bad play call? I mean, Tom Brady in that game did a lot of things we've never seen Tom Brady do. He's throwing ducks, man. Yeah, Tom Brady never throws more or doesn't always throw deep down the field. He's always one of those guys who takes the short yardage, he gets the first downs, and extends drives. We didn't see that at all. The biggest concern for me right now is, and I'm kind of with you on that, I I actually, no, I don't have, I haven't made a decision yet because they're, there's a lot of factors to play in here. Yeah. Should they play, play each other in the playoffs? If, if, if they turn it around, obviously if they turn it around, and I and we can talk the schematics of that, um, I think yes, because, I mean, you look at their losses, Jared. They haven't lost. There's two losses. First one to the Saints, they lost by 12 points. Obviously, that is a yeah. sizable margin, you know, a two-score game for teams that are supposedly really, really, really close with each other. Well, and plus, plus, it was one of those situations where Tom Brady started to come back super late in the game. True, true. But then the Bears lost. They lost by one point. So, yeah. what, like, what is it about the Saints that is the Achilles heel for the Bucks? Because if you can go, if you can beat the Packers like that, why can't you do that to a Drew Brees team? This is why the Saints' defense has been almost has been next to spectacular this season. They've been really good, and mind you, despite all the struggles that this team the the Saints rank third in defense in the NFL they are up there but you know who ranks fourth the Buccaneers yeah both defenses are really good 
but the the slight edge that the Saints have in defense plays a factor. When you can get into Tom Brady's head and get and hit him, it throws him off his game. We've seen it happen before. The Broncos, if in a lot of the wins that they have against the Saints, or not the Saints, the, the Patri- Patriots, yeah, they got in Tom Brady's face. They made him uncomfortable, and it helped them get the wins. Now, mind you, it wasn't. I don't think I ever saw a Broncos victory that was as wide of a margin as what I saw with the Saints. But that's that. That's that key factor. There is the the Saints' offense doesn't have to do much. You don't have to do much on offense if your defense is taking control of the games nine times out of ten. When your defense allows only three points, then you, yeah. just, you literally have to score once. You have to score once, and and that's it. That's it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Uh, they they scored the one, and then they were just like, "All right, let's have some fun now." Yeah. <laughs> well, we were assuming Tom would do something. Yeah, eventually. I mean, you got. Three of, I mean, originally two of the best NFL wide receivers in the game, and and uh, you know, Godwin and uh, and uh, and Mike Evans. Yeah. And then you add an Antonio Brown, who comes out of freaking nowhere and gets targeted four times, and gets a couple of catches. But man, I mean, the potential of that core is a lot more than three points, you would think. Yeah, and, and again, going back to your point, they just signed Antonio Brown, who you would think probably would have made a big difference especially considering you know at this point Antonio Brown has something to prove to stay in the league um but the the problem right now is the Saints just the Saints can just do whatever they want to Tampa Bay at this point in time <laughs> and I mean you like you said the the the, the Bucks the they could, I'm sorry just just Jamie you said anything I'm like they could put in Jamie Winston and just him in the him, him eating the dog, bro. This, if he okay, <laughs> how ironic would it be if Jameis Winston actually played and they beat the Buccaneers? Why didn't they put him in in the second half? I don't understand. That would have been so great. I don't think they wanted to risk throw, <laughs> throwing the game. <laughs> Jameis would have been scoring points for his, for his old team. Yeah, yeah. Still, still putting up points still for the Buccaneers. And to kind of go into your point is like they could turn it around. Yes, they can. Oh, well, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I, had, I I looked at the, their schedule. Within the next three weeks, they have they have two really challenging games, and then they can they can kind of coast. They play they play Carolina this week. Uh, they realistically they should win that one. Realistically, unless the Saints loss has just messed with them mentally. Christian McCaffrey's he's dubbed for for something great though. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. He's itching to go off, man. Yeah, and God forbid, any game, if any game he goes off, he's going to go off here. Yeah. Um, so it's very possible, but who knows? Within the the two weeks following that, they they will play the L.A. Rams, who defensively, Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year. I'm going to call that one. That dude is going to win an award. Um, the Rams. And then they will play the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a tall order in and of itself. The Chiefs defense is not as good as the Saints defense, but it's still their offense is just too Patrick Mahomes under center is just that it's like using a cheat code in a Madden game. It's they're just not, they're, they're not winning that game. I'm calling them right now. There, there's no way they're winning that game. If, if they if, it, they if they play the similar way that they were against the against Yeah. The yeah. If they play the way they do, did against the Saints, they put up the Chiefs probably put up fifty. Yeah. Um but this is if they can turn it around. The, the Rams and the Chiefs are the biggest concerns in this rest in the schedule right now. After that, they'll play the Vikings, the Falcons twice, and then the Lions. So they can turn it around. The only thing that's and, and make the playoffs. The only thing that concerns me if the Buccaneers make the playoffs and then they have to play the Saints is the inexperience in playoff games. Tom Brady's been there before. Yeah. He's done he's done that song and dance too many times. Yeah. He's won six Super Bowls. He knows what it's like to feel that pressure going into playoff games. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. He's got not, not a lot. But the rest of this Bucks team, they don't know. They haven't been they've I don't think they've been in this situation before. And do you think they're capable though? They could be. With 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 that with Bruce and 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 Tom. I mean, they're being—they had the best leaders available. Yeah, I mean, 
the Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, the, like that is a very good combination, especially if you go into the playoffs. And the playoffs are a different kind of monster, all in and in and of its own of self. We got eight teams in this round. Have they confirmed eight teams? I'm still seeing they're debating it. NFLPA approved it. Have the, okay, so if they cancel games, they will do an eight team. Yeah, if they if they end up canceling games, then they will. So. <laughs> if they do eight teams, I'm going to call it now. Three teams from the NFC West are going to make it: <laughs> the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Yeah. The, I love the NFC West. I love that. I love that division, and I hate it all at once. Like, it gives me too many heart problems. Best division in football, man. Yeah. Um, could see three teams from the NFC South. Could 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 potentially. Uh, it'd take a lot for uh, either the Falcons or the uh, the Panthers to. If they beat the Bucks. Yeah, if they beat the Bucks, definitely. It's gonna. It it would be interesting. Um, but I mean, it's it, the playoffs are a different kind of monster, and anybody can beat anybody in the playoffs. True, because at that point, your record doesn't matter. All that matters is that you either win or you lose. And my th- my concern with this is though, if the Bucks have to play the Saints, the Saints have been so dominant in the a- NFC South, and they've been to the playoffs multiple times. They've been to conference championship games. They they know what the pressure's like. And the Saints team, Saints team knows what it's like to lose in those games. And I think that that experience in those kinds of situations for the Saints is ultimately what pushes them over the edge and gives them the edge against the Bucks for that third win in a row. If, if anything, the Bucks are going to have to ha- have to game plan in the offseason to determine how they're going to be able to beat the uh, New Orleans Saints. It's got to be Mike Evans. It's it's got to be Mike Evans. I mean, he he's projected on pace for sixty catches, seven hundred and seventy-seven yards, which would both be career lows. Yes, he's been battling ankle injuries. He's been doing this and that. He's been kind of off and on, limited, not limited, and so they've been trying to go to different guys, which they do have the availability for. Yeah, but but man, like you got to utilize Evans on those downfield routes. He is so good in the post. Yeah, he's so good on those on those on those uh not on 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 dig routes. He's so good for uh uh. Let me use too many screens. I mean, I mean he uh I'm trying to find st- uh, my my numbers here. There we go. Uh, on screen passes and deep crosses, uh, there on his forte, you can't expect him. You can like use Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski, like those who you use for that. But when you have like Antonio Brown getting targeted more times than Mike Evans, because he's coming out of the backfield, he's in the post, then working the inside and the outside. Like that's obviously more targets for Antonio Brown, while Mike Evans is limited to the post and and or sorry the slot receiver and in the outside, you know. So why I don't understand why they're throwing more Antonio Brown than Mike Evans at this point. I think in that in the in that situation it was just game it was just the the game panic. Of uh, the Saints probably were more prepared for Tom Brady to go to Mike Evans more often than Antonio Brown, uh, hence why. But I mean. At this point in time, it's, it's the yeah. Not only do you have to rely on Mike Evans, but you have a running back who's had a really good season so far. Yeah, Ronald Jones the second. Um, he's he has 538 yards and he's got four touchdowns. I mean, you could use your running game a lot more, and especially when you in you when those third and short situations, you have a guy like Leonard Fournette who can just who who's been doing fairly well given the limited number of snaps he's played he's got 225 yards um so it's almost expected that you could you would split those two up and try to develop get your running game going as much as possible the bucks have have a really good offensive line there's nothing against saying they can't do run the ball but if you can't pass it and you can't run it you are you are going to shoot yourself in the foot and the bucks in that game they looked the Bucks in the game against the Saints looked like Jameis Winston was still their quarterback. Thanks. Throwing, like it was that bad. It was that bad. You know the the amount of times that their defense, the Bucks just offense shut down, and they expected their defense to win the games, and it just was not going to happen against the New Orleans Saints. I got nothing else to say. I got nothing else. I mean, I mean that that's that's it. I mean, it, the the Bucks need to get it together figure it out figure it they need to figure it out and 
and just look for the next look towards the next week. When we come back, we're gonna talk some Broncos because I mean, what kind of episode would this be if Matt didn't get to talk some Broncos talk? <laughs> Jerry Peralta, Matt Candy, fired up. With a special guest, Matt Kennedy. And I mean, this has been a very special episode. Has it? Yeah. I I, I like having you back, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) We need Josh, man. That was an element. Honestly, Jerry, I I would be lying if I say that from time to time I I go back and listen to our old episodes um, from from last year when it it was us three because... And and just listening to you and Josh just bicker with each other. For me, me, those were some of my, my favorite episodes is when we got Josh on regularly and we all three of us i think we had great uh chemistry yeah and and uh, we've been mentioning that too it's like we for some of the topics we've talked about this uh this semester and you've listened you've listened to a lot of them it's it's like we need matt here (laughs) because matt having having you here just just and mainly, I just want you here just because I loved listening to you and Josh bicker with each Sometimes other. Sometimes you guys agree too much, and I'm just like, I'll, I'll be, I will listen to you guys. Um, you, you know why Josh agreed too much? It's because yeah. he's playing devil's advocate to you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't care what my opinion was. It was. He listened to what you had to say, and then he just denied you. Yeah, and then <laughs> sometimes I'll be listening in, and then you guys will say something. I mean, and of course, you guys are validating your opinion, but I'm just sitting there, I'm like, that is not true. Well, I can't remember. I can't remember any example specifically, but there's been a couple of we times. We were talking. I, I mean, we talked Broncos at one point. I, th- I, th- I think. I think. I, it had I think to be you a called segment. us out for some Broncos. It talk. had to be. It had to be a Broncos segment because the only time that I feel like you would call any of us out would be on a Broncos segment. And but and you know what? Speaking of Broncos segment, what kind of Matt Kennedy episode would this be if uh, we didn't have some Broncos talk? Now, I don't know. I gave my opinions about the uh, the Broncos and Drew Locke last week. And, Matt, I don't know if you heard that, but I was not pleasant to Drew Locke in any way. No, rightfully so. And, and I mean, I mean, it's not that I don't think he's talented. It's just there's some problems there. But, Matt, I want your opinion here. I'm going to give this one to you and yeah. kind of let you go at it. I'll just chime in when I feel the need to. Where is it all going wrong for Denver? Because, I mean, they're sitting, what? Uh, I want to say they're, they're two and six. Yeah. And they just lost to, no, no, they're, they're they just three, lost to Atlanta. They're three and five. Oh, three. And, oh, I was looking at the Chargers. Never mind. They're three and five. Excuse me. Almost, and they, two, almost two and six. One play away from being two and six. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they beat the Chargers. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, they're three and five. Excuse me. My mistake. But, I mean, there's a lot of problems going on right now, Matt. What what would you say is the biggest concern? What is, what is where is it going wrong? No, I mean it, it's a it starts at the very beginning. We we couldn't get off to a good start. I mean, you start on three, and it all goes back stemming to, stemming to Von Miller. You know that that first injury hits when he on a on a last play of a of a no no contact practice somehow detaches a ligament in his ankle. We thought it was an Achilles, but it turns out to still be just as major. Um, probable to come back, maybe, but but you get rid of your highest paid player, and then you lose a, a Jarrell Casey, who was one of the highest you know targets that we brought in this offseason. You lose your entire defensive line. Shelby Harris just has positive for COVID, so he's out. And then you you just constantly lose guys and injuries, and you haven't played with a full offense. And when like we're using our our fifth string right tackle this week. A guy who was who was originally Calvin Anderson, you had started with Juwan James, then it went down to Elijah Wilkinson, then it went down to uh, uh, I, I can't even I, I'm losing the list, but we're down to Calvin Anderson, who I didn't know who was a, even a player on the Broncos squad until like a week ago, using him as right tackle. So the the injuries just have not allowed Denver to get off because you talk about the preseason, so optimistic, so optimistic about this team and, and the guys that they brought in. They're like, oh, we got Jerry Judy, we got Corlin Sutton, we got Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, Noah Fan. I would go wagon on, oh my gosh, Drew Locke, all these guys on this talented offense. And then you lose a Cortland Sutton. I forgot to mention Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. I forgot to mention Cortland Sutton. He's out, he's out as well with a with a with a I think it's a 
it's in knee injury. It's either ACL. It, 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 or was, or it was it was a major one. I mean, it also doesn't help too that you were you Denver went weeks without Philip Lindsay, and you kind of had to rely on Melvin Gordon. And oh my gosh, as good as Melvin Gordon is, he, Melvin Gordon I think is more is is better when you when he's put in as a third down back. I don't think I think Philip Lindsay is probably is obviously the go to starter, um, but there just Melvin Gordon just did not put put up the numbers and he didn't really impress me with he hasn't (laughs) i've heard it been described like when melvin is in it looks like he's running at half pace compared to when you put philip in he just dodges 50 yards uh down uh, down the field for a touchdown when he averages 16.5 yards per carry uh two weeks ago against the chargers but you only give him the ball six times i mean there's a lot of issues with this Denver team that can be fixed out. They haven't gotten up to a, for a first half hot start, and then you come in, you score 27 points in the in the fourth quarter, uh, two weeks in a row. So you know that it's there, you know that it's available. But what is it going to take to get them going from the start? I mean, then they're going to face an Oakland Raiders team. This or sorry, Las Vegas Raiders team. The they will way. always be Oakland in my heart. The Raiders. <laughs> well, no, that's fair, and I think uh, and kind of looking at it too is it's not just the injuries and it's not just from poor play too it's Vic Vic Fangio has not done a good job as head coach he is probably and Josh and I have talked about this he is one of the worst at time management he cannot manage his timeouts using that Titans game as one example yes that is enough for that argument but he's been much better since then he has not I think he's more I think he's delegated some of those time management tasks to other people so there hasn't, been, there hasn't been any issues like that one, like the Titans game at the beginning of the year where he had three timeouts with 90 seconds left, 10 calls, single timeout. Yeah. Until with 20 seconds left. So Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's rough. And I, and Vic Fangio obviously is more of a defensive mindset rather than you know, offensive. And this Broncos offense, the, the defense has been looking good to me. The, despite all the injuries and despite, you know, COVID and whatnot, They've looked really well. They've there have been some games where their defense kind of slips up, but I mean, at that point in time, you have to look at who Denver has played this season. I mean, they played the the Chiefs, and that one was rough. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers, held them to twenty six points, which was I think one of the lowest game, one of the lowest scoring games for Pittsburgh this season. Pittsburgh's still undefeated, mind you. Yeah, the the Broncos have faced little staff for you they face justin herbert patrick mahomes and and uh and ryan Tannehill, and big ben roethlisberger all whom are among the nfl's top 10 in passing rating yeah so and, and then you get a matt ryan former mvp you get guys who just love to throw the football and, and when denver has their dbs that are constantly struggling with injuries both of them are out last week uh you have your defensive line that can't bring any pressure the run game struggled against the chargers they have not been at full strength all season, and they're and they're trying to figure out who they are at even half strength. Which, man, it's just going to take time. And this year, it will take the entire year to figure out who this team will be in the future. Yeah, definitely. And and my last my last note before we go to a break before our before the last two things we get, we'll get into. At this point in time, this season's already weird. And I, I've said my piece last week. I've, I said what I had to say about Drew Locke. I'm not going to go into it again. Um, the, the the Broncos just need to kind of figure it out. And at this point in time, it's it, it may not be this season, mainly because this season's just been weird in general. <laughs> and um, and maybe they could figure it out uh, when their teams are when this team is healthy and everybody's back. Um, it's going to be a big question on this. Oh, is it this season that Von Miller's contract is up? Next or is, year. Is it, Josh said, yeah, Josh said that this is last year. Remember that a couple weeks ago? But no, next year is, is it? Maybe even be like the next two years. But he signed a he signed a six year contract three years ago. So okay, I I don't remember all. I don't remember the specifics of that. I just but I, this year is not his last year. He okay. is he, but he's scheduled to make over twenty million dollars next year, which is a big cap hit. Yeah, so obviously that's an, that's another thing too. Uh, yep. Denver has, I want to say, the second highest yes, amount behind, of caps. Behind the 49ers, they have over $70 million on, on, IR. on, on the IR. On the IR. So injuries have just plagued. That, that This goes to show what preseason actually does for a football team. 
<laughs> when we come back, we're going to get into the top five, bottom three, and a very special segment of Matt's Matters. Jerry Peralta, Matt Kennedy, fired up. Back here on Wired Up, Gary Peralta, along with Matt Kennedy. It's so so interesting to say that now, after hearing it for the past four years, Matt Kennedy along with Jerry Peralta. And Josh Coleman. And Josh Coleman. And Josh Coleman. Yeah. Can't forget about Jerry. Yeah. It's, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> How the turntables. We said that at the yeah. end of the show. Yeah, but I mean, since Matt's here, we're going to do a very, a very special edition of Top 5, Bottom 3. Uh, we, top we, 5, Bottom 3. Uh, top five out there. As we always, as we have always done it, I will cover the NFC. Matt's gonna cover the ASC. We're gonna or Matt. I mean, you do whatever you want. I don't know what you, I don't know what you have <laughs> I planned. The, I figured it was the AFC. Yeah, so I got the AFC done because uh, I was gonna be like, he'll cover the AFC. But it's like eh, maybe we should just let him do what he wants. But eh, whatever. He's I got the AFC. He gotcha, he, he planned ahead, <laughs> and we and we're gonna try and get through this as quickly as possible. And then we're gonna do a special segment of Matt's matters. Matt, to kind of kick things off, yeah. who do you have as your bottom three? Bottom three AFC, number three, Patriots. You barely beat the Jets. We talked about how they struggled at the, begin- at, at the second half of the year after, or second part of the first half of the year, I should say, after Cam tested positive and they were just trying to get on their feet. Go back and listen to that segment that we talked about. Uh, number two, Chargers. Man, see that last play. My goodness, you just feel bad for them. Chargers can't, can't win a game. Can't win a game, two and six. And number one, Jets. Fans are cheering for a loss. They are cheering to go 0-16. We want the number one pick. When you're doing that, you, you embrace tanking, you deserve that worst spot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting who who they could, if they're, who they're going to pick up or what position they're going to pick up in the, with that first draft. I would uh, assume it would be a quarterback. Trevor. I think Trevor's not going to be in the draft this year. I think he said he's going to play his senior year. It depends. I don't know. It's, it's, up, it's up in the air. Yeah. My bottom three for the NFC. At number three, I have the 49ers. Injuries have plagued them this season, but I don't think that they would fare any better if they had their whole team. Number two, the Panthers. They've struggled, but they could find a way to turn it all around. And number one, I'm kind of cheating here, but I just I just have to do it. The entire NFC least. They're just the division sucks. I love it. I mean, there, there's nothing you there's nothing nice to say about that. I agree with that. Going to the top five, Matt, who do you have for your top five? Top five, number five, Dolphins. It's two a time. It's Tua time. It's Tua time. Great, great game against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Great comeback for Tua in his first career win. Uh, second career win, actually. Um, number four, Bills. Best team in the AFC East, and it's not even close. Uh, number three, Ravens. Even with their MVP not performing as such, they're still 6-2. and two. Great job on the defense for the Ravens. Number two, Steelers. Who cares if they barely beat the Cowboys or the Broncos? The first time to be 8-0 in a very, very long time for the Steelers. That is an accomplishment. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in his tenure as a Steelers head coach. Great job. And number one, Chiefs. I mean, why else? Yeah, I mean, why else? The Chiefs have been looking great. My top five for the NFC, starting with the Bears. The only team in the NFC North that I think could actually upset the Packers. Number four, the Cardinals. Even though they lost, they are still in that number two spot, and they could easily overtake Seattle at any point for that number one. I'm just going to say that now. Number three, the Bucks. Still a good team. They just struggled against the Saints. There's something about the Saints that we talked about that the Bucks cannot figure out and number two the Saints obviously the best team in the NFC South and at the moment despite the struggles they've looked really good number one the best team in the NFC at the moment and I'm gonna say this now they're my pick to beat to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl I don't think they'll win I don't know if they'll win but they will be I think they will be in the Super Bowl now after that we like to with our new segment Matt's Matters what we do here is we like to uh Go through Matt Kennedy's Twitter because sometimes he tw- he tweets a lot. He has splurs where he'll tweet like forty times in like an hour. Okay, that's <laughs> that's, ner- that's normally during a football game. Normally during a football game, and uh, we're gonna actually talk about one of those football games. But Josh wanted me to bring this one up. Uh, your tweets from Wednesday night, I believe. Okay. Yes, Wednesday. During the CMA Country Music Awards, <laughs> yeah. when you were tweeting at them, this is the best music awards show I've watched in it years. It was great. It was so good. And then, and then they t- retweeted you and it's replied, good. hey, Matt, we're so glad you're enjoying the show. Stay tuned for more great performances. 
And then you reply, you replied to their reply. Did we just become best friends? And then they threw up the white girl. They're emoji. like, uh, eh? Like, maybe, <laughs> possibly. And I was like, I take that as a yes heart emoji. But, uh, but man, I gotta, I gotta ask you, isn't country just worse blues music? Okay, Jr. We want to stop. We'll tussle after this. All right. We'll tussle from six feet apart. All <laughs> throw a fist to cuss. Uh, <laughs> country music's the best music around. And uh, if you want to go, debatable. Muscle, but we'll okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, but I do have some tweets I actually yeah, wanted. Yeah. So during the Chargers game, I have to ask, you went through a wave of emotions yes. and tweets. You went from this is the worst game ever to that's how we get the comeback. <laughs> what, what what was going through your mind during all of that? Because uh, all your tweets showed me so many different emotions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, just just a recap of that. I mean, first half, didn't watch it. Uh, watched the first quarter. I'm like, this is going to suck. They're, they're terrible. And then I didn't want to get my hopes up. Bryce Callahan gets the interception. They somehow come back, and then Phil Lindsay gets that run. You're like, okay, maybe we got something. And then up until the very last play, it was just boom, 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 boom. My heart goes, my heart pounds and explodes out of your chest. And then when KJ Hamler gets his two cheeks down on the ground for the touchdown, it it was a, it was a, I don't know. I, boom, I boom, I boom. Everybody say way oh way oh. <laughs> it was a crazy emotional game. I'm glad they won it. They could have done it two weeks in a row, but man, they got yeah. I, I, it was so funny because. Because I was actually, uh, I was at, I was uh, at a shoot for CMU TV. Yeah, and I watched that last like minute, like the the final drive for Denver, and and when they won, I was like, oh! But the moment it ended, I was like, okay, let's go check Matt's tweets, because <laughs> it's so funny to watch you tweet during everything, especially because uh, I was watching the CU game. Yeah, and just watching your tweets from that <laughs> was really fun, Matt. Matt Kennedy, let's get your Twitter hander, hander, Twitter handle <laughs> out there. Uh, give me a sec. I got to pull it up. It's, go ahead. MJ Kennedy tweet, capital M-J-K-N-T. So Matt, MJ Kennedy tweet. But that's going to do it for us here on this special episode of Wired Up. This will most likely be the last episode we do in the studio. If anything, we're going to have to, if we do more episodes, they will have to be remote. Um, but thank you all for tuning in, Matt. Thank you for joining joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, maybe when things settle down and we can have three people, we're gonna have to get you on so you and Josh can fight like you always used to. Look forward to it, J Cole. <laughs> Looking forward to it. But anyway, that's gonna do it for us. If you missed any of the live broadcast, you can find us on Spotify at the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry and Josh or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Thanks to Anchor. We will see you guys next time.